Welcome to Boom Talk Studios. Fox trying to get a foxhole. Season 4, episode 5, number 101 overall. Rolling up the El Camino Highway. You know, if you're a Californian, you know about that. Alrighty, folks. Thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme music. Always a shout out to the folks at Road and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation. Want to be on the podcast? Drop me a line, ftinfx at gmail.com. Want to sponsor the show? Same thing, you know, if not, whatever. Just drop me a line and say hey. But definitely if you want to come on the podcast, Friday afternoon, kind of a lovely day it's turned out. You know, mid-50s, sun's kind of out. Watching the play-in game as the Knicks, who look pretty good and they're lost the other night, are holding on to a seven-point lead. So we're wrapping up a second half. We'll be talking about this matchup, I'm sure, throughout the early segments of this podcast. Alrighty, folks. As always, a lot's been going on in this past week, so let's get to it. The COVID Chronicles. Well, 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 what can we say about what's happened in COVID land this past week? Hmm. Well, you know, I almost thought this was going to be one of the more bare bones segments. As even though BA2 seems to be quietly spreading, it hasn't been a prominent topic in sports as of late. And that's a good thing until today. I think, you know, the whole, this whole time, one of our biggest concerns with this pandemic is it cropping up and taking athletes out of pivotal games. Pivotal game coming up later on with the Clippers and the Pelicans. PG-13, yes, that's right, Pandemic P himself, Paul George, just back in the lineup and played brilliantly the other night. I guess the T-Wolves will talk about that in the NBA report, or NBA beat. He tested positive it is in the quarantine health safety protocol and will not be playing in tonight's pivotal game. This is the winner go home game. This is this thing we've been fearing all along. We've already seen it happen last year in the MLS. Remember with the Philadelphia Union being severely impacted by people being out of the lineup, getting COVID at an inopportune time. I tell you, you know, there's plenty of teams in the NFL. Some had help because they were able to get their players rest up and not banged up. Others that completely sabotage their season. Now we're seeing it again, even though it appears like we've taken a few steps ahead of where we've been over the last two years. So we'll see what happens as far as the outcome with the Clippers can do. I mean, they've played pretty well to get to this point without those two. They're two big guns. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a, in a bit. Okay, let's look at what else is happening in COVID land. So... You know, the League Cup over there in merry old England, you know, you have the FA Cup and then you have the League Cup, which is called the Caribou Cup, and the EFL runs it. Well, now the EFL is being pressured by other English teams to look in the Liverpool, look, take a look at the Reds, basically, because there's a sense in England that the Reds use COVID-19 uh, infections 
or putting people in health safety protocols as an excuse to duck out of having to play earlier. And they think that they may have used an unfair advantage. We talked about this a little while back with being a problem. Apparently, people have been pussyfooting around, and now somebody wants to see some action. Like so many other things at the top, are we surprised that there's foot dragging going on about this? We'll definitely keep an eye on that. Had the first case, uh, as far as you know, Major League being in its second week, something that we can tell you that the relievers, the, the Rangers reliever, Dennis Santana, has been put in the league's quarantine health safety protocol after showing visible COVID symptoms earlier this week. And that's the first time I've heard of a major player going into the quarantine health safety protocol. Now, obviously, the same thing with Paul George. You know, it's been sporadic here and there, which is the league's doing good, but then it's still happening. Given the amount of protocols that are in place, yeah, it kind of makes you scratch your head how that even happens. But, you know, big world out there, you know, the metaverse. <laughs> you know, it, as I keep telling you, it's still a major issue as far as, as Australia goes. I mean, every time I try to put my report together, you're looking at, you know, cricket and uh, football proper teams the other type of you know, football they play down there. And, yeah. Kind of like where we were, I would want to say, like in the fall of 2020. You know, maybe in a little bit of the fall of 2021 with Omicron. We were just having, you know, these large swaths of players that would all of a sudden, you know, be in the QHSP, as we like to say. Okay. Another interesting place that I... That we haven't talked about it. You know, in the early episodes, we had uh, my high school friend. And get, I went to middle school. I knew him in uh, grade school. A lot of other stuff. Played sports with him. Coach out at Prosper High School. In one of our early episodes, kind of talking about the impact then. You know, maybe I should look it up, look him up and talk to him a couple of years later. Because, yeah, I did some, report, some research this week. And find out it's really a delicate balance as far as how do youth in high school sports function, um, you know, because some leagues are more flexible and liberal and other folks don't want to take any chances. I mean, we've had situations where people are playing in masks and, it, well, hey, that's not really healthy from a respiratory situation. Um, you know, playing in and out of season, playing shortened seasons, you know, all especially if you are an elite talent, you're always thinking about, getting as much visibility as far as having colleges see you, especially, you know, when we talk about the, you know, the whole NIL and all the other ways you can now take advantage of your likeness. So it's kind of interesting to see, you know, where we are. Like, for example, the U.S. Virgin Islands, you know, territory that we obviously, you know, administer. I mean, and they have some pretty decent, you know, hoops and baseball teams. They're retreating to competition after basically being on a hold for the last two years, where they basically was so locked down that you know there was no domestic or traveling internationally. You know, this is at the high school level, so that kind of gives you you know where some places didn't miss a beat, others played football in the spring or like in weird months in January and all that other stuff. Anyway. Uh, let's see here. Okay, so that's what's going on with COVID, which means I got a couple of minutes for a couple of hot takes. Yeah. So hot take number one. How about the Cowboys' Kelvin Joseph? This is right, their cornerback. 
a person of interest in a homicide that happened last month. You know, I sat there thinking about that. He, of course, he denies it. But then again, you're a person of interest. And, you know, normally I keep people involved in these type of things out of the TMCA time because you're innocent until proven guilty. But I bring it up now because it makes me wonder, you know, are we typecasting us, you know, when we say, hey, man, maybe you should stay away from the thug life or are things just so volatile with these guys and they're such targets that inevitably they're strapped and they're going to get in their gunplay. Well, gee, I guess it's the, one of the water's wet thing. Water is wet. It's somewhere in between, right? Because I do think people flex in terms of trying to be hard, you know, get that Aaron uh, Hernandez kind of thing on. But I also know there are knuckleheads out there who are just like saying, yo, man, you you're, you're soft, man. Just because you got pads on, let's see how, how hard you are now when, when you ain't with your boys. So anyway, we'll keep an eye on that, you know, hopefully... He, as he said, he had nothing to do with it. He doesn't end up in serious trouble like Aaron Hernandez once did. Uh, what else do we have here? Okay, today, big thing going on in MLB today as always, but taking another moment here, and this has been talked about elsewhere, so I'm not really covering new ground, but because I am a historian, I will make it, I will have a point on this, and this is hot take number two. This is Jackie Robinson Day. As we know, April 15th, 47, Mr. Robinson broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball, and, you know, pretty much for professional sports, kind of like, you know, as far as the pioneer and setting the template and blah, blah, blah. And if you know Jackie's story, you truly know Jackie's story from... You know, his, his you know, days in Georgia, moving to Pasadena when he was younger and being, you know, a mega star at UCLA and all the things that went on with him in the war and all that other stuff. Anyways, I'm not here to give you a history. Plenty of films and books out there. But the thing is, you know, the, the commentary that's been going on this week with the 75th anniversary of, of him breaking the color barrier, it's like, you know, what would he think, you know, of all of this? celebratory of his life when the things he wanted to achieve as a player and as a activist after he left the game really haven't happened. So I don't think he would be too happy. And, you know, I applaud the folks who have pointed that out this week that, you know, this whole thing of wearing all the jerseys and all the memorabilia and the big celebration, it rings kind of hollow if you understand the man's true, the man's true struggle battle for equality and what it, what it really meant to him. You know, he I think he'd find this to be disgusting and just tell, tell everyone to knock it off and let's, you know, get more people of color in management positions and try to stop, you know, the exodus of, you know, particularly African-Americans from the game. You know, he'd be more very concerned about that. And I think, you know, this big lap around all the ballparks and wearing 42, it would probably disgust them. And I can really appreciate folks who have come out and have acknowledged that. All right, moving on here quickly. Hot take number three. You know, as I was telling you earlier, a big game tonight that Mr. Paul will be out of. How about the other side, the Pelicans? Obviously getting the big win the other night. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But what do you think about Ain't No Sunshine with Zion's not there? And how I think it's like three years now he's played in maybe 
between like I think it's like something like eighty games or eighty five, whatever the case may be. Right, you know, I brought it up a while back about the whole Odin, Andrew Bynum, Sam Bowie, the list of bigs that never really even took flight. And you wonder, is Zion going to be there? Because when you watch the potential they can have with CJ and Brandon Ingram, kind of kind of sad thing to say. Okay, we also have this weekend, USFL version 2 getting ready to launch. Are you going to be watching? Well, you know what? Oh, I hit the table, as I always do. If I can find it, yeah, I'll probably be watching. I'll, I'll give USFL V2 a watch. Um, let's see, what would this be? Take number five, is it? How are these playoffs going to look for Harden and Kyrie's legacies? I think very big. If these guys stumble, it's going to be a black mark. Last hot take, Cubs withdraw Chelsea bid. Too much of a hassle, apparently. Yeah, I can see that. All the hoops it's going to take to acquire a Premier League team, especially big American money, after how angry they, the Manchester United supporters are with the Glaciers and you know the other types of foreign uh, intrusion into their game over there. No surprise. That you know they are making it really hard for whoever decides to take over the stewardship of Chelsea. Okay, folks. Well, that was a little bit more lengthy than I thought it was going to be, but that's quite fun. We'll be back with a high view for campus on the other side. All right, welcome back to Fox Rogue in a Foxhole, your faithful host here, Ken Harlan. Wow, a quick addendum to the uh, COVID Chronicles. I just see here on the ticker as I'm watching this playoff game that two Bulls assistants have just tested positive for COVID-19, and they will be missing the beginning of their playoff series, which will probably start here pretty shortly now that we'll determine who's playing in the opening round. Starting probably, I guess, on Sunday, I believe it is. But yeah. Okay, folks, um, I haven't gone to the store yet, which I'm going to do in segments, so that means I can't grab my adult beverage. I almost lost my pair of cool sunglasses the other day watching the playoff, play-in games, but I have them. My hipster clothes were still in the dryer, so we're just going to do with my um, alma mater hoodie and my pajamas. But nonetheless, we can grab our kit bag, stroll to the airport, get through TSA, and board our Gulfstream 550 for the high view above campus. See, we're having trouble with our words today. I don't know why. I haven't had a drink yet. Stone cold sober and big struggle. I'm supposed to be in three places at once right now. However, I'm doing this because obviously this is the main priority on a Friday or Saturday for me after taking care of all the adult things. Okay, so what is going on high above campus as we're chilling now on our Gulfstream 550? Well, well, well. Interesting thing that I read this earlier this week about Penn State quarterback. A lot of things going on with the Nittany Lions, actually, but Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford starting his own NIL agency. He's already signed up seven athletes from three different schools. Why is this significant? Well, Clifford says he's bringing something else to the table. He thinks that agents, parents, and all the other 
third-party handlers do not are out of touch and do not really understand what a student athlete needs in this modern landscape, as we've been talking about from the beginning. And, you know, I think that's kind of an interesting viewpoint and an approach they, that this guy is taking. How much traction it has remains to be seen. But there's obviously, to me, anyhow, a niche and maybe if that, something that becomes beyond it, it becomes more of a standard as far as athletes taking more control of their destiny. You know, because obviously we see... The landscape of broken dreams, you know, that that 30 for 30 Marcus Dupree kind of story. So obviously Asians, parents, the reverend who you've given power of attorney to, whatever the case may be. And that, you know, seeing an athlete say, you know, and now one of the things, whether you like it or not, could be a good thing in terms of that they're getting the money and kind of learning how to deal with it the pitfalls earlier on, as opposed to like, you know, with basketball, you know, one and done, they come up to make a lot of money and get all the pressures. Well, now you're sort of getting a sense of that. Cause I mean, obviously if you're good enough, there are people out there that want to offer you an NIL deal when you're in high school. So somebody like this guy from Penn state wanting to be proactive. Hey, okay. Speaking of the Natley Lions, the Nittany <laughs> the Nittany Lions. Wow, say that a couple of times. We're having all kinds of issues here for some reason. How about ESPN's piece on one of Joe Pa's players being really bad? I mean, we already know the whole horror story about Sandusky and how that basically brought down the curtain on Joe Pa, Joe Paterno's wonderful reign at State College. And then we're reading the story about this guy. Check it out. I mean. Another POS, basically. I mean, really horrible guy. And I'm not going to come out here and crumb on Joe Pa for this guy. But at the same time, that kind of culture where this guy was able to go out, you know, especially after he was on the radar and create more damage. I mean, read the story, but it just kind of makes you wonder about, you know, how rotten college football is. Because you know... What went on at Penn State is not an anomaly, right? When you talk about these big schools where these coaches and these programs, you know, are on high and they're pretty much untouchable, you know, the amount of uh, unspeakable stuff. Anyway, check that story out. Um, another interesting thing I thought that came out this week, I don't know if you saw the exchange that Seth Greenberg and former UNLV and New York Nick Great had about the transfer portal farewells versus coaches who leave the programs. Well, that was stupid, but, I mean, I'll give some traction to it, right? Because typical Anthony the players sticking up for the players. And, you know, somebody like Greenberg being salty, a salty boomer like myself, like thinking, Okay, you're leaving. Why do you have to go through the big production on social media to say goodbye? And he said, well, coaches do it. I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing with coaches. Normally, a coach isn't leaving after one year. Normally, a coach is brought in to be the face of that program. And whether it's sincere or not, 
it's just, you know, like a thank you card. Whereas I think with some of these players, especially everyone, you know, with the little highlight reel, the goodbye things that they're all doing. I mean, it's kind of cute, but yeah, it's a little bit overdone, you know, when you're just kind of being a mercenary and there's not really anything to be like, oh yeah, I had the best time of my life, but now I'm heading to SC because I think they're going to be liver under Lincoln Riley. Got interesting times. Okay, follow up on where we were last week with the whole Dabo thing, because he caught a lot of heat, as we knew. And as I said then, as I say right now, is he wrong? I don't think so. And this always cracks me up when you hear the woke warriors and social justice warriors, and this is just another plantation white coach just trying to keep people. He's not saying that, folks. As I said last week, you know, instead of being triggered, and why did just be angry? Look into what he was trying to say in terms of the outlaw landscape we are creating right now. I don't think there's anything wrong with responsible adults coming in here and saying regulation or, hey, open the corral and let's make this what it truly should be. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong. Because I think the model he really is talking about, if it were to get to that extreme, Players who be the least the players who have the skill set and the desire, they go and get paid. Just saying. How about Sark along those lines of just sort of being tone deaf? I mean, I guess he, you know, there's a big deal about Sark muting fifth-year defensive lineman Moro Ajomo for speaking his mind. He basically talked about the shortcomings of the Longhorn culture. We've talked about this on this podcast quite a bit as well, all of the turmoil in Austin. And you got to call that what it is. You know, basically, guys come here on a ride. You know, got the Texas Bells. More interested in being a Longhorn, you know, as far as the lifestyle as opposed to, you know, fulfilling and, you know, how should I say, right, fulfilling your scholarship and making the, the Longhorns right, the perennial contenders that their fans and the program thinks it should be. He just doesn't think that, you know, and Ojomo came out and basically said, yeah, the kind of culture that we've built here, you know, the guys don't take it as seriously as they should. You know, this is, he's like a fifth year, I think, senior, I think he had to play an extra year of COVID. So he's been, a, he's been around for a minute to actually see this. And so Sarkeesian comes out and basically meets him, just like, hey, you're speaking out of turn. Now, here's how I feel about this. Technically, Sork has a point, I think, in terms of keeping the, keeping the conversation internal. But where I diverge, I guess, now is that we all know this is a different student-athlete we're dealing with. They can make money off of their likeness. They can get up, they can flip you up and go somewhere else as long as they don't overdo that. So there isn't, this isn't a, a place anymore where these guys can just automatically tell, you these, tell these guys to be quiet and mute them. I think you're going to have a lot of pushback. As I was telling my brother earlier on, on, on I Am on Facebook, it's like, you know, someone like Sark needs to learn that yesterday. Because if you don't learn this yesterday, you will not be in this business for long, the way I see it. What about this big lawsuit? When involving Oregon and the legendary CWT. Yeah, that's right. Coach Willie Taggart. That Willie Taggart. 
I remember when this all went down, when Willie came to town. Uh, I just remember I was trying to get a job with Lane County. I was talking to one of my former co-workers. He's a psychotic duck fan. And asking her about Willie and wondering about, you know, some of the early hiccups. And it was kind of tied to this story, but the guy that got hurt by some of the, uh, you know, questionable workout techniques, regimens, and just lies. I forget what the whole story was. I didn't really look it up this time either because it's just like, you know, the guy's suing Oregon for, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, basically, you know, said I'd have been in the NFL making bank had Willie and your boys not screwed me up. Now, I don't think he's going to get all the money that he's asking for, but he's going to walk away with something. And what makes me interested about this is what this can lead to in the future, you know, and maybe how how this gets settled and the NDAs that might be involved. But this is going to get ugly, you know, valid or not, in terms of the kind of opportunities that people might try to create, a, create out of such situations if they are unable to fulfill their dream of playing in the pros, especially given the kind of money that's being tossed around at that level. Okay, folks, there's probably more to talk about, but I need to, like, Take a break here. Maybe go run and get some adult beverages so I can dig in for the second game. We'll be back with something cool on the other side. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Fox Try to Get a Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Season four, episode five, number 101 overall. Rolling up the El Camino Real. Checking out all the missions. Even if you all think Father Sarah is a bastard now, still. All right, most of you know history. Time for our favorite segment Something You Should Probably Know. Or things that went on in the world of sports this past week you might want to know about. Well, obviously, last weekend, we were at one point or another tuned to our TVs as the wonderful passing of spring at Augusta. You know, the, one of the favorite spectacles in all of golf. One of the best, you know, visual presentations in all of sports, you know, I think. And I think most people will, will agree and it was pretty cool. As we told you about last week, about Scotty Schiffer not really being a household name, the number one ranked player of the world. Well, damn sure is now, as he wins the green jacket, took command, you know, basically didn't look back. Although I thought it was kind of interesting to see Rory put on a pretty amazing Sunday charge. And this is the thing about Rory, as they talked about in the telecast. And I think if you follow the sport, you know this about him. And a lot of these guys, obviously, as I've said before, but especially with Rory, when he's hot, he's hot. Man, he's putting the ball next to the cup, draining, draining birdies and registering eagles. And you got a hint of that. And... I think it was a legitimate question for people to ask, why do we not see more of this with all of these guys 
that I've talked about many times on this podcast before, the Jordan Spieves, Brooks Kepka, on and on. You know, a lot of it has to do with the fame that that comes along with you know, being a major champion. A lot of distractions you probably didn't have going into just being another golfer, making bucks on the tour. Now expectations, temptations. Anyhow, it's just kind of interesting because I think with Rory, every now and then, you see this amazing round where he like shoots a sizzling 64 like he did on Sunday, which makes you think. Anyway, there's Tiger. You know, it was just great to see Tiger there, obviously. We talked about it at the beginning of last week. Yeah, some trouble with Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If you thought he was going to compete, you were really hoping for a lot of the Easter Bunny, Santa Claus, Victoria's Secret model, or a beefcake, depending on what your, what your persuasion is. Right, all those things that probably are never going to happen. Then he got it out, 72 holes. Fantastic. He says he's committed to playing the Open. Might play the PGA. So we're going to see him, which is pretty good. I mean, I, I would be, at this point now, pretty shocked if Tiger doesn't play all four majors. And as I've said here all along, I do believe he has a magic moment left in him. Maybe two. Uh... You know, the fact that he made the cut and a lot of notables missed the cut, as we told you about last week. We'll see. We know that my man Bryson is going to be out for a while. He's having some hand trouble. Kind of wondering where he's been, too. You know, speaking of Tiger, what do you think about a set of his irons? And this, this is from the Tiger Slam era. If you remember the whole Tiger Slam where he held all four major championships at once, now they call it the Tiger Slam. Well, apparently, a set of irons that he used in that era just went at auction for $5 million. Okay, people, as we always say, <laughs> there's just way too much money in the world. When you can, when, when someone can say, yeah, and he plopped down $5 million because I, I just want to have a collection of the Tiger Slam irons in my, you know, right? So I can show off to my my homies or have some museum or whatever. Crazy. Okay, so let's, let's go to the track, see what's going on there. Little NASCAR. The 10 tops were in Martinsville over the past weekend. William Bryan, yes, that William Bryan. He's trying to become a household name as well as he takes the checker flag again. Holding off Joey Logano. Kind of a brawl there where old Ty Gibbs got, got had to show that he could uh, do some rock'em, sock'em robots. It's like, eh. Had some F1 action. Got to watch that, actually, because it was down under, so it started at, like, 10 o'clock on Saturday after soccer was all done and all that. This is really exciting. Just kind of sitting back, having an adult beverage. And by the way, I did, in between the segments, run to the store and go get myself some uh, Mary and Barry cider. So we're all we're all equipped. But anyways, so we're like watching the race Saturday night. Finally, because it came on like 10 o'clock our time. I tell you, I'm really impressed with this Charles Leclerc. Once again, showing that he can be a contender. Um, and once again, Max and Lewis not on the victory podium. 
it's early, and I know there's all kinds of, you know, mumbo-jumbo going on. But at least early, Mr. Leclerc is giving people something to think about with what he's done on the, tr- uh, on, on the course here lately. So keeping an eye on that. Had some IndyCar racing as well this past weekend. And lo and behold, if you ever we talked about the talked about this with the quarterman a few weeks back, talked about you know Byron Hurt, I mean Colin Hurt, and um, the other cat. Gosh, I'm drawing a blank here today. And that writing the story didn't help me as much. Point being is, like the last Indy race a few weeks back. Was none of those guys that we spoke about a few weeks ago. One of the guys that we kind of spoke briefly about, Joseph Nargarden, has won a second straight race. He wins the Grand Prix of Long Beach. Big, big deal there. Let's go over to UFC. So a lot going on over there too. Now, okay, you know me as I always butcher these names when it comes to uh, MMA, but comes that. Uh, yeah, is, is it Kamsat? Jimmev defeats Gilbert Burns with welterweight. That was kind of the big deal. He had uh, social media really buzzing about Jimmev as far as he's one of the next big things that in terms of being one of the faces of UFC. I know I butchered that name. You'll have to forgive me. Another big deal. In the, in the main event, you had Alexander... Volokanowski defeating Chan Sung Jung in the fourth round by a TKO. And yeah, with and New Garden won by decision, I might add. Um, let's see here. Over on the hockey side of life, unfortunately, we have a, as we hate doing, we, you know, always acknowledge the greats that we know about. And this one we have no great deal about, but RIP goes out to. New York Islander legend Mike Bossy, who passed away today at 65. This is Friday. Four-time winner. And if you didn't grow up in that era, it's probably not that big of a deal. But it was, you know, for me, my boomer ass, when they won it four times in a row and basically were the team in the latter part of the 70s before Gretzky and company took over. Anyways, uh... Condolences, prayers, thoughts go out to his family, Islander family, all those folks out there on the sound in the island. Yeah, it's truly a great. Uh, power rankings stay the same. So I know this probably should, and I will make more mention of this down in a closer look, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the nut jobs that think the WNBA pay gap is the reason Brittany G is still locked up in Russia. Are you people friggin' serious? Are you friggin' serious? I've tried to explain to you. I'm gonna have to like dig into this again in a closer look, but we'll save that for a minute later. Um, speaking of the WNBA, they had their big draft over the past week. As we said, we're looking for big things in the WNBA this year. And the dream is they try to completely remake themselves now that they are completely removed of the legendary or unlegendary Kelly Loeffler. They select Kentucky guard Ryan Howard with the first pick. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully it works out better for you than it has for Sabrina and people in Kaiser A, Gondersick, some of the other early phenoms, early draft picks that are phenoms in college that have not quite blossomed in the WNBA stage. Okay, folks, we're rocking and rolling here. We have a really tight game. 
9.31 in the fourth quarter. The Cavs have a narrow two-point lead over the Hawks. And that's the, the Cavs being the eighth seed, the Hawks being the ninth seed. Be back with some NBA beat on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Truck and a Foxhole. Rolling up the El Camino Real. 101 people working on our next century. Hashtag 0405. All right, folks. Let's talk some NBA beat, shall we? Unfortunately, starting out with another RIP. Once again, if you're a boomer, you remember this cat. For the Hawks had the human highlight reel. Dominic Wilkins. They had a guy named John Drew, who should have been a bigger star than he probably was, but nonetheless had a career. Definitely, I remember how good he was and what he could have been. He passed away this week at 67. As always, our condolences go out to his family, friends, and the Hawk fans. Okay. And another interesting move is we're always talking about the bad behavior narrative and how it could possibly affect ownership as we are moving forward is I don't know what you want to call it. And this is something we will bring up again when I talk about the commanders in the NFL report. When are these things legitimate or do people have an ax to grind because they don't like a person? They don't like how a team's fortunes have fallen. I'm not sure in terms of, you know, we already, we've already seen what happened with Neil O in Portland. Doesn't own a team, but a prominent executive as far as his bad behavior leading to his ouster. We've seen it elsewhere. You know, we've seen it in the NFL with Jerry Richardson. I think Jerry Richardson caved where I don't know if Snyder is going to. And I don't know if, what Sarver's doing. Because why bring up Sarver? That's right, the guy who owns the Suns. He's stepping back from a prominent bank position that he, you know, he basically is the chairman. So I don't know if that's a sign of, yeah, he's preparing for a big fight, you know, with the SJWs and the woke warriors and the woke sports media and all the people that would like to see him ousted from the son's ownership. I know at one point, Mr. Al Sharpton, yeah, that Al Sharpton, he said he was going to go down to Phoenix and start having home games boycotted. I don't know here in this particular case. That if he's retreating, this is a sign that he is going to do this or he's going to fight. I don't know. I'm really curious about that. Because I can see, you know, stepping away, guy, I mean, you know, this bank's worth like $56 billion, and the guy's got kept money, and maybe he's just tired of the headache with all the other things the pandemic has brought on. I know that he has adamantly fought these charges, my guess is he is going to, you know, entrench himself. And maybe this bank thing is kind of a distraction for him as far as that goes. I don't know. Definitely be keeping an eye on that and all the ownership 
that is under fire right now and where people are truly trying to use every means possible to wrestle teams away from people because we're bad behavior and other transgressions. Okay, so the season's over. Now we move on to the postseason. It's been an interesting season as we've always talked about. Now we have to play in. Before we get there, let's tie up some loose ends. They knew it was coming. Nothing surprising here. Frank Vogel being let go by the Lakers. Kind of dirty how it happened. Basically, I don't know who in the Lakers office dropped to Woj and Wendy and all the people. You know, the Vultures had it out. Maybe, you know, they asked him to lick in the locker room after their final game, right? Like, T, I mean, Reeves and Malik Monk went crazy and they came back and got a W. And basically I told him, yeah, dude, what do you think about being fired? And, you know, and he kind of answered back salty. And I'm sure he knew the writing was on the wall, but it's like, hey, let me deal with that tomorrow. You know, it was not a classy move. And like I talked about last week with, you know, Genie Bus, I think we know what has to happen there. I don't know if it's going to from what I can see. You know, there's some, you know, in terms of that, what really, you know, what I said last week. If the aim is to truly fix this, they have to like, clean the front office. It won't matter who you bring as a coach, right? I don't think anything's changed here other than, you know, Westbrook kind of coming out and trying to, like, you know, play victim and throw some shade on Vogel, undermining his credibility even further with the basketball populace. Now, I don't know what kind of... Uh, Molly, the guy's been eaten, but I think you should share it with all the people here looking for party favors because the guy's typically high on, not typically, I mean, completely high on something when you see this guy talk about himself and not take any of the blame in terms of why it's not worked out anywhere he's been. And he's probably, you know, the reason why teams haven't succeeded. I want to mess there. Okay, so... The on and off story of Clanking Ben and even Chef Curry, whether they'll be around for the, the next round. As we said, the, play, the play-in games are wrapping up tonight. Well, you know, when I wrote this, it seemed like they were statuses were pretty unclear. They wouldn't play. But, you know, one of these mer medical miracles, you know, either that or some really good drugs or something as far as limiting the pain. But I'm hearing that we could see Clanking Ben, they're going to need him against the Celtics, let's face it. And we made, and Curry says he's ready for game one. Now, both of these folks rushing to get back, well, I don't know what Clanking Ben, I mean, he's never been there, but in the case of Curry, is he rushing back too soon? Do they, do they really need him in the first round to advance? Probably. Ben, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Embiid wins the scoring title, but does the MVP go to Giannis? I think, you know, if you're me, and I, if I had a vote, which I don't, but if I did, hell yeah, I'd, have, I'd give it to Giannis. I, there you look poised to repeat. As good as Embiid has been, I'm not seeing enough of how he can, as we talked about Harden earlier, <sighs> You know, <laughs> if Harden goes in the cooler like he's been known to do in the postseason, Embiid's not going to be enough for the Philadelphia 
to, to get really deep. And that's kind of why I would lean towards Giannis because I know what Giannis has done last year, what he's done in the regular season, and what he's probably going to do in this postseason. Just me. Call me crazy. You know, I was watching Sports Center, which I don't do too often during this every year, especially when, you know, my team sucks and they in the playoffs. It's just like, okay, I don't. And people tend to talk about the teams that I like a lot on TV. It's like, I don't want to hear that shit. So I don't watch Sports Center that much this type of year or Undisputed or any other programs. But because there was nothing on TV and it was too early to go and play. Uh, you know, in, in, in the metaverse and get my Quest 2 on. And by the way, people, I was skeptical at first, but I got myself an Oculus Quest 2. Oh, my goodness, that's a badass. We'll have to talk about that here in an upcoming episode. <laughs> you know, what I was about to say before I started rambling about being in the metaverse, I was watching the Sports Center, and Stephen A. was talking about or Stephen A. and Jay Williams about Devin Booker being the most underrated player in the league. And I thought about that for a second. They may be right. Because, you know, we float Jaws boat. We obviously talk about the obvious stars. And then there are some couple of guys out there, you know, like, I don't want to say, I wouldn't put Trey Young there, but this guy on Cleveland that I'm watching right now, I forget what his name is right now, it escapes me because i got too much going on. But, in terms of somebody who's really bona fide, is an elite talent, I'm going to have to agree with Stephen A. that I do believe Book may be one of the most underrated players in the league. Just saying. Okay, let's get into the meat. So the playing round started. The playing round, playing game, whatever the hell you want to call it. So the Nets outfight the Cavaliers to win game one, and that's why the Cavaliers and the Hawks are going right now. Hawks are down by six with about five minutes left. I don't know what to take about this game. A lot of talk about the Nets having to work very hard. Now, obviously, they are going to get a boost if Simmons can play and he can provide anything. But a lot of folks were saying, well, you know, they had to work too hard to beat this Cleveland team that's an eighth seed. Bro, the East is... Sis, the East is tough. And the Cavaliers are a very good AFC. Okay, let's just get that out of the way. And this idea that the Nets struggled. The Nets struggled because the Cavaliers were good and the Nets do not have Ben Simmons. The whole point of getting rid of Harden. They've got some decent role players, but I was not surprised And the Cavaliers or are trying to scratch their way back with the Hawks are down by three now. So I don't know. I do know that this Boston-Brooklyn series is definitely going to be box office. You can guarantee that. Kyrie and the Celtics, KD's got a lot to prove. You know, getting past them, you know, they did what they had to do. They didn't want to be able to play around, but they, that's the way things happen in today's NBA. They're still alive. But yeah, look for that series to absolutely be box office. Then you had the whole thing with Pat Bev and the T-Wolves. Ooh-wee. You know, great game, by the way. You know, what can we say about that? You know, right? The T-Wolves and the, and, and the Clips. Um, kind of sad about the whole PG thing that we talked about earlier. 
pandemic peeve, not being able to play tonight. It was a classic. And I, it, Pat Bev is Pat Bev, okay? If you don't know about all of his theatrics, I don't know if I want to even address them because he's not one of my favorite players. And I thought for somebody who's been in Minnesota for five minutes and acting like he's been there his whole life, was a bit over the top. And, you know, you beat the Clippers. And I know you played with them, but they don't have Kawhi. But, hey, I went for the Timberwolves in a playoff context in, you know, in the last 20 years. That's a good thing. So I'm not going to crumb on him too hard for, for that, right? They find him for getting a little bit too profane. Clippers have a shot tonight. So, you know, it's, it's all good. But it kind of sucks now that somehow George has got, has got uh, COVID-19 and can't play tonight. And so, in the way that, you know, the Pels looked last night taking care of business against San Antonio. Yeah, well, this was the night before last, actually. Um, I like what's going on. I talked about it earlier. Obviously, ain't no sun with, ain't no sun with no sign around that what they have going on there with C.J. Ingram could be really special if Zion could ever be healthy enough or have a desire to play in the Big Easy. I'm not sure, but I like that. I mean, this is the thing with the Spurs, and I don't know whether this is Pop's last game or not. I don't think it's on Pop that now everybody's smart in the league and the brew fruits and that they don't have a monopoly on, on, on being, you know, one step ahead of everybody and getting the talents that they were able to put together that allowed them to make these runs where they what, won four or five championships under Popovich's watch, you know, getting lucky and getting Tim Duncan, you know, sucking one year and being able to get a, a generational player like Tim Duncan and being able to put the necessary pieces around them. While I'm rambling, point is, did anybody even know a player of the Spurs watching the play game? I've watched him a couple of times, and I gotta tell you, you know, I watch sports a lot. Obviously, I do a sports podcast, and I could name you, I couldn't name anybody of the Spurs right now. Even this is even before I've had a sip of the adult beverages. So, you know, it is what it is as far as that as, as that goes. Um, and you know, in the other matchup. You know, obviously, you know, looking at the Hawks, kind of a, you know, I mean, and and the Hornets. It would have been kind of nice to see the other ball guy, but the Hawks kind of took a step back. They're a solid team. I think they're better than the playing round. They just haven't showed it. Right now, they've got a six-point lead over the Cavaliers. I think everything makes sense there. Um, Okay. I had another point there, but, you know, this is actually running a little bit longer because there's so much good things to talk about. I'll finish with this. I was reading Deadspin the other day. There's a comment, or a column, I should say, by a Blazer fan. Getting kind of snarky, taking a swipe at LeBron and the super teams and how it's going to be really important what that organization does building around Dame as Dame heals in the offseason, you know, not to make the mistakes. Well, you know, I thought, because it was a snarky, ter- a, st- a snarky tone to it, you know, in that certain Blazer fan kind of way, not taking a shot. This is just the truth because, hey, I admit the foibles of, of all my fan bases. What I'm trying to get at here is that maybe this guy needs to look in the mirror 
and look around the motor center and say, why are we rebuilding everything around the guy in his 30s? If you figure he's older than CJ and CJ's 30, that you're going to like invest everything. I can tell you, as a fan of somebody who invests in, in building a team around, I mean, obviously you don't do you don't let Dame have you know power you know, veto power and end up with a effed up situation like Los Angeles where you get a ring, you get a ring leads to your ass fucking on the outside looking in. Pardon my language. You all get what I mean. But yeah, it's going to be interesting because I think if you're Portland, you should really entertain. You're in the lottery. You've got some decent pieces acquired, you know, in the fire cells. But maybe you should look into what they may fit, could fetch you as opposed to like trying to build the whole thing up around him again as he gets older. I don't know. You got an opinion? F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Let me know. Okay, folks, that ran long, which is a good thing. We'll be back with the Nightfall of Diamonds on the other side. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to Fox Trotting in the Foxhole, rolling up and down the El Camino Real, LA to SF and beyond, all the way up the coast through Oregon and Washington. Yeah, anyway, uh, Hawks have a five point lead with about 24 seconds left, so it looks like they will be moving on. Okay, so we're, let's talk about. Some MLB, shall we, as we're starting to get settled in. Now teams starting to have returned from their trip on the road and having their first home stands. A lot of excitement. So, as far as the ball of diamonds this week, let's start off with Mr. Rob Manford. Sending all the players Bose headphones as a peace offering. Good, lame, or something altogether. Well, sending millionaires gear. Yeah, okay. Maybe they don't. Maybe some of them don't have taste, and you know, Bose makes a decent product. I'm not gonna crumb too hard. I mean, obviously, there's still some animosity that there'll always be when it comes to the players' union and owners and the commissioner. So. You know, hooking somebody up with some nice headphones that'll probably get thrashed or ripped off by the clubhouse incident, you know, or left carelessly. I don't think it goes, you know, that far in terms of thong the the, 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 thong the ice between those two parties, excuse me for coughing, and hitting the mic stand. I, I was just trying to catch up to us. But it's a good gesture. Right? You know, I'm like, like I said, I'm not going to crumble them that hard for that. You know, I'll, just, you know I just, I'll call it good. Maybe that's in a good mood. But, yeah, I don't think it has any overarching, like, yeah, the, the players' union and the owners are going to start to get along over some headphones. Don't see it that way, but, hey, nice try. 
Okay, what about the Nationals possibly being up for sale? Why do I bring this up? Well, you know that I've talked about the A's and race situations and how that might affect potential expansion. We talked about this last week. It comes up now as a team, the learners. It's not official yet, but the hints are strong. And because I follow that other DC team that always seems to be in the news, I know what's going on with the Nationals and the stadium thing. And it just made me think about the kind of number they're going to get if the learners are indeed selling the Nationals. You know, obviously, came over in Montreal earlier in the century and have, you know, a pretty decent run, have a championship. So, if, that go, if they go for, I don't know, maybe four and a half to six billion, what's an expansion team MLB going to cost? Because you know, whatever the price the Nats get, that's going to kind of like, you know, be set an indicator in terms of whatever expansion group or what even city is going to be able to lure the Rays and the A's possibly, just the kind of money that's going to be involved. You know, obviously, with those two teams, uh, stadium situations up in the air, and now we have a team that's possibly up for sale. A lot can happen here. Okay, guess what? Let me see here so I can talk a little trash here, as I always do. Let's look at around at this, the City Connect uniforms. You know I'm not a big fan of them, but I actually took a look at most of them, and guess what? My opinion stays the same. They suck. There's a couple of decent ones out there, I'll say. I think the Houston, you know, take on, you know, their, that, that hideous orange they had back in the day and the whole Kennedy thing, you know, right, as far as the Space Center is concerned. I think that's pretty tight. Otherwise, meh. <laughs> okay. How about the Padres and Giants? You know, I mean, you're going to love the drama in the NL West anyways. But now... We have the Padres and the Giants getting ugly. You know, obviously, big deal with the, uh, I forget her name, which is a sad, I should have wrote it down in my notes, but, you know, histor history being made with the uh, Giants, um, a woman who was the first base coach after the, the regular first base coach got tossed, apparently, so something that had some racial overtones, or not, maybe somebody being triggered. They hugged it out the next day. Still shenanigans in that series in terms of the uh, benches, catcalling, and flexing, and all that kind of stuff, which means, yeah, baby, baseball's back. Not sure, you know, the whole racial overtones thing. They hugged it out and moved on the next day. That's all I definitely know about. Then you have the, you probably shouldn't have, but you did anyways. And at least I, for one, kind of like what you did. And this would be the Reds president, Phil Castelli, telling unhappy fans to be careful about what they wish for. It was basically talking about being a mid-market team and, you know, sometimes having a fire cell and not necessarily having the means to compete with the big guns that you want to bitch and moan about it. I could take this team elsewhere, picking back on our other conversation. You know, we didn't mean that, you know, with the Cincinnati Red Legs established 1869 or whatever the hell it was. But, you know, I also liked that as empowered as Twitter and other social media platforms have made fans and their ability to criticize, 
I don't have a problem with the owner pushing back or just saying you don't like it. You know, be careful what you wish for. I think he's in his right to. Now, he walked it back, and that's quite fine because, you know, there is a certain PR calamity if you don't do such a thing. But it doesn't bother me to see somebody say, you know what, F this. In, in terms of just, I think there's frustration on all sides, especially the team with the Reds. Last won the World Series in 1990. You know, that's 30-plus years ago. You know, that, not that many postseason appearances. But it's really tough for these mid-market to smaller market teams. Let's face it. And, you know, I think it's just really interesting when somebody brings up the Bengals as, as, a, as a mode of stability comparing the Cincinnati franchises. We know, other than last year, you know, right, what, what, what titanic that franchise has been. How, how quickly we forget, right? Okay. You know, it's weird because when I think about that, I, I, I can't be, I have to at least throw a bone to the fans. Because you can't, well, I think the owners have a point to push back. They can't be tone deaf to the product you have on the field. You have to be doing more than the college try is trying to win. Right. You know, this whole idea of, of crying poverty when you're, when you're living in a fat ass mansion, you know, right. You know, it's, you know, over there in Covington or some crap like that. That doesn't fly. Um, okay, big story this week. Clayton Kershaw taking the mound to start his 15th season on the bigs. Pitches seventh, seven perfect innings and gets pulled, and Twitter loses his mind. Crazy, right? Well, and this is the second time Doc, that's right, Dave Roberts, has pulled somebody filming a perfect game after seven innings. Last time with Rich Hill and the Blisters, Probably, probably legit. This time with Clayton Kershaw, definitely legit. Now I know. I mean, you got even people like Dave Denholm, you know, LA soccer columnist, calling the Dodgers out. Like, I don't want to watch an MLB game if you're going to have nonsense like this. Well, people who come from the Dodgers, LA and outside of the Dodgers, when they don't win and Kershaw falters because he's been the workhorse logging many innings, you know, as I was looking up his numbers, you know, 185, 84, almost 2,700 Ks, a 2.49 ERA. Guys, carried the load as Cliff Booth has done for Rick Dalton all these years for the Dodgers. Okay. And he's been in the backside of his career, hurt more often than not from all the innings that he's thrown. And so coming up a big injury in a short preseason, not unreasonable to have a pitch count. And the soccer guys are like, why do you need a pitch count? Well, as I said last week, the Dodgers have a legacy to fulfill. And they're not going to be able to fulfill that in terms of getting more rings if Kershaw's not a part of this equation. So give the Dodgers credit. I don't like to in a lot of cases. Anyway. Speaking of the Dodgers, not sure what the hell is going on with this Bauer thing. His administrative leave has been pushed to the 22nd. Shit, we're getting off the pot with this guy. Yeah, there's a lot of freaky-deaky weird stuff as we've been talking all along, but make a decision. I don't really think you can keep him out of the game based on, you know, the law not wanting to do anything. 
He's already set out long enough, so at one point, you know, when does this become a little bit too punitive? Now, as far as his teammates wanting him back in the clubhouse, I've heard that's not going to happen, but you know what? What he brings to the table, anything can be forgiven with the right kind of conversations and incentives. So we'll see there. But it's still, you know, it's just still out there in the ether. I'm going to close with this. How about Cuban expats? trying to usurp the national team of the next World Baseball Classic. And, and the communist government now, they're just like saying, what the hell are you talking about? What do you mean you're going to represent Cuba? We'll be keeping an eye on this. As you know, we have a lot of players who have, one or the other defected, ran, whatever the case, but they want to form their own contingent. At the next time, I'm looking forward to the next World Baseball Championship. But this ought to be kind of this will be curious if there's going to be two Cubas and what kind of animosity that might bring. Okay, folks, we'll be back with some beautiful game life on the other side. All right, welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole. Season 4, Episode 5. The Hawks have taken care of the Cavaliers. Okay, let's talk some beautiful game life, shall we? Well, let's start off with the Leites. That's right, the United States National Women's Team. Tuning up for international competition. You know, obviously, they play in the various leagues, NWSL, globally. Anyway, they probably need to find somebody better than Ubekistan as far as a friendly uh, competition partner. They played twice over the past week, and the USA won by a combined score of 18-1 to 1 over the two friendlies played over the past week. 18-1. to Any competition, and this is what... When we start talking about the, the level of difficulty. Yeah, that kind of happens occasionally on the other side of the equation, but not too often. Okay, right? You know, even with the really good teams beating somebody 18 to 1 over, over 180 minutes. Just saying. Okay. The rumors this week coming from the international side of the coin. So, apparently Brazil is, go is courting Pep. That after Pep gets tired of running the show at City, that he would take over running the Brazil national team. Well, I guess that would be a fun next act, I suppose. Especially if he could somehow nail down Champions League. There, as you know, the folks that own Manchester City so desire. We keep an eye on that. Thought it was interesting to see Burnley. Give the shaft to Sean Dyche today. Obviously, they were in a regulation fight. I think, you know, he was the longest tenured manager in the Premier League until today. Kind of crazy there. But obviously, I know they don't. They want to do whatever they can to fight off relegation so they don't have to deal with the, the wackos and Blackburn. I'm telling you that was coming. Woo. We also have... Uh, 
now that you know there was a weird week for uh, Bayern, we'll get into that in a minute. That the Lewandowski to Barcelona rumors are heating up more ways than one based on what happened this week. Is there a possible Pessi return to Camp Nou? Anything's possible, but if they couldn't afford to keep him from leaving, I don't see how they can afford to bring him back. You know Pessi ain't playing for free. That was interesting. Grant Saka, Grant Saka of Arsenal telling the press this week that he almost quit playing because of fan abuse. And this is an interesting topic. I'm glad that he's speaking out on it. I know in the past we've told players to get a tougher skin, but I think as we learn more about mental health and, and the toxic behaviors that exist on so many levels, it does beg the question, what is too much? As far as fans crossing the line, we know that social media, devices like Twitter, Instagram, blah, 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 have, you know, created a all-too-close layer where players can really interact. And, yeah, you know, maybe there needs to be more training as far as handling the social media and, and the fan engagement you know, as far as how players can handle it. Because fans ain't going to change. And especially now that this stuff is more expensive, there's more acknowledgement, there's more frustration on the fans for whatever covid Whatever the case may be, there's a lot of hostility. That ain't going away. And perhaps having players be able to be better equipped to cope with it is what we really need to focus our energy on. Something that, you know, I'm glad that he came out and told the media. And it's a discussion that needs to be expanded, in my opinion. Okay, let's get to the fun. You see it. Well, Villarreal. Late winners, I said Byron having a tough week. The Spanish side shocks Byron at Allianz in Munich to advance. Unai Emery, once again, being a magician in the European competitions. Although he did not do that at PSG, but hey, what he's done at Villarreal, very impressive. And knocking out Byron, and now making Byron have a summer of lots of questions as they have a lot of their... Maturing stars, now out of contract. What do they do moving forward? What looked to be the beginning of a, of a Byron, you know, dynasty setting up, another one, a few, just two years ago, is looking like tatters. And getting right out at home in Champions League, yeah, it was kind of, it's stunning. I have, a, I see big changes in Munich coming up here. Because, you know, that they're just not going to sit there and allow that to happen. Uh... Chelsea and Real, what a show that is. That's, I mean, this is the epitome of why European nights are special. Well, obviously, Chelsea looked to be on the ropes as far as, you know, not getting it done at their place. And it looked like, you know, for a minute there, at a frantic rally, they were going to make the improbable comeback. And we were going to be talking about Real choking instead of PSG. But instead, in spite of, of Chelsea's heroics, the class of Real Madrid, Modric, and Benzema, why these guys have had so much success, even without CR7. And, you know, just the history on full display in this year's competition. And once again, they were, over, they were able to overcome Chelsea in extra time. 
Thomas Tuchel, very bitter afterwards, complaining about the referee, you know, laughing, you know, right? And I was sitting there looking at uh, Thomas Tuchel. I'm like going, dude, you know this about UEFA. You saw, right, at Old Trafford, after Kimpembe touched the ball, the referee basically laughing, running away from the monitor. This happens in this competition. This is UEFA. It's just like CONACAF. You know you're gonna get you know you're gonna get hosed. The referees even laugh in your face about it. You didn't need to be a bitch and cry to the fucking media. That's just me. Wow, we're getting deep in this, aren't we? Anyways, big stuff, you know, very unhappy. City advanced and unaccurate after a very tense 0-0 battle in Madrid. Police had to break up a fight as Atletico and City players were pushing during the game and Jack Realist's hair got pulled. There's a very dangerous challenge on Phil Forden that drew a red in the 91st minute. So tippers got pretty hot at the end of that. The Reds also advanced after an entertaining 3-3 draw at Anfield. Looking good there as far as the next round of UCL. UEL, big news there. Frankfurt, stunning. Barcelona at camp new to advance. That's why the whole, I said earlier, the whole conversation about Lee was going to heat up because no one's happy. Byron's got people on a contract. A competition that Barcelona was supposed to win. Seeing the not Champions League, you figured they would win the Europa League. No, they get sent packing by Frankfurt and Kevin Trapp, the hands of stone, no less. So all this talk about the Barcelona revival, pump the brakes on that for a little bit. And Leipzig boots at Atlanta. West Ham since Lyon packing, which means Marseille is the only French side still alive in Europe. Go figure there. SCCL. Tin Man Pumas survives, keeping Cruz Azul at bay for most of the match. Who will they meet in the final? Drums plays the Sounders. After a 1-1 draw at Red Bull Arena, Seattle makes its first final. Question now is, can they be the MLS squad that breaks through? I do believe this is the year for the MLS. It isn't going to be easy. There's going to be a lot of shithousery. But I think this is the year for the MLS to make it happen. I, I, I'm feeling it. I know this isn't going to make everybody else jealous. But you know what, MLS fans, pull your head out of your butts and actually get behind the Sounders so we can actually bring this trophy to the MLS in the United States. That's just me. Okay, let's take a quick look around the leagues as we do every week. In the EPL. Wow. City still leads by one after that spectacular at the whole the whole Chelsea. Uh, right. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. I'm just all over the place here, caught with my coughing. At the Chelsea Real was one way of saying the best of European nights. Well, I would have to say, you know, the Liverpool City game is kind of why we love the Premier League. And continue to like, you know, heap praise on it. You know, another instant classic there. And after, you know, their tussle that ends up in a draw, City still is by one. Everton got its, you know, leg up and it's fight for, you know, to avoid regulation. Um, bad CR7 incident there, you know, Manchester United falling apart, and apparently some autistic kid slapped his phone away. You know, typical CR7. Um, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, but I was by my dick. Yeah. Chelsea and the Spurs both score bushels of goals in their ones over the weekend. 
The Arsenal loses at home to Brighton Howe. Go figure there. Over in La Liga, Real are cruising. Big week, obviously, I just told you about them advancing in Champions League. They lead by 12 over Barcelona and Sevilla. Atletico Madrid coming for a showdown in Champions League. They lost at home. Barca and Sevilla, they posted wins. While Villarreal, obviously, holding something back for its spectacular week. They played to a 1-1 draw from the Bundesliga. You know, Byron's doing his thing. They lead by nine. The big three all won over the weekend over in Serie A. That's getting really tight as it's been. AC Milan holding on to a two-point advantage. I saw they did win today, so I'm not sure how that's going to look now. You know, they had a draw to read over the weekend, but like I said, they won today. Napoli lost over the weekend, and Inter and Juventus both won. So, like I said, two-point lead for AC Milan. Over in League One, PSG still leads by 12. Big surprise there. I think they're going to raise more eyebrows as they have a new shirt sponsor as Color Airways is going to be paying the Capital Club $75 million to appear on kits and stadium signage. $75 million a year, folks. Wow. A lot of money in this world, as we're always saying. And, you know, speaking of PSG, they give folks a taste of what should be happening. Everybody healthy, nobody paying attention, and all of a sudden... The big three are doing what they we thought was going to happen all along. Got to see even remember a Sergio Ramos signing, but Mbappe showing why he's the best guy football footballer in the world. I mean, the cl showing class that even is making me shocked. I've been watching this guy, you know, since he was in Monaco. But yeah, it's next level. Neymar having a hat, a hat trick and looking like he's getting ready to return to form. A little late, but it's still kind of cool. Hopefully, we get to see more of this in the future. And Mbappe's future is still undecided. Marseille, Monaco post wins while Leon and Lille both were involved in 1-1 draws. Over in the MLS, 36 KC, Charlotte Atlanta, Edge, Atlanta, 1-0 at Bank of America Stadium. El Trafico, Carson wins round one. As usual, the Derby lived up to its story reputation. On and off the pitch. Did LAFC get job? Yeah, kind of. I don't I think the goal at the end, I agree that that should have been disallowed. But I also think uh Vela's goal earlier should have stood. So some other things out there. Glad the fans didn't weren't complete assholes. Always tough for at least, you know, but the homer side of me to lose to the galaxy, but hey. They somehow did what they had to do, to, you know, and, and show the LAFC and the 32-52 not so fast in terms of who runs LA. Great to see the, that rivalry live up to its billing. All I can really say about that. We had the Verde and the Loons down there in Austin. Verde get a big 1-0 win. It's through Miami, finally get a win as the Rebs continue to seek lower, kind of like getting bounced from Champions League and everything else. They just seem to be in a fog right now. There's time for them to correct it, but not looking good. Same thing with Sporting Kansas City. They lose at home again to Nashville City. They've got LAFC at Bakersfield, California next, so I don't know if they're going to get healthy. LAFC coming off of a loss is going to be really tough for Sporting Kansas City. We'll see what happens there. I think it's a big national TV game this weekend. Hopefully people will tune in and watch. 
The Fire, who had been undefeated, they lose their first game as Orlando City quietly starting to get its act together. And you have the Philadelphia Union staying atop the standings and proposing a very impressive win over the crew. Philadelphia looking the real deal. Don't sleep on them as far as that supporters' shield and even possibly being an MLS Cup champion. Uh, you had Real Salt Lake in Toronto, 2-2. FC Dallas is another impressive win, taking out the Rapids. Timbers get a much-needed win at Vancouver. Power rankings go this. The Union, 1. Galaxy, 2. Seattle, 3. LAFC, 4. Nashville, 5. I don't know if the Galaxy should be that high. I think it's very cool that they're going to have a, a Champions Cup showcase at SoFi. Not even though SoFi may be a regulation, but... Chivas, Club America, LAFC, and the Galaxy. I think what, July 3rd at SoFi. Good stuff there. We'll tell you more about that as that gets closer. Okay, we'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trotting in the Foxhole. Your faithful host here, Ken Harlan. Watching a little Pelicans and Clippers, 24-20, 2-20 left in the first quarter. Winner advances, loser goes home. Okay, let's do a little closer look. You know, that time where we take 10, 15 minutes, rant, editorialize, all those wonderful things about things that happened in the past week. So let's start where we left off last week. Dwayne Haskins. Death in sports and how we should react. There are a lot of things that happen with this thing, and there's some other stuff that may come out, whatever the case may be. But this was a weird one, because, you know, as I was doing my podcast last week, this is when the news of this hit. And, of course, you know, the social justice warriors and the outrage warriors took the Twitter and the amount of outrage and calling people out, especially like guys like Adam Schefter. Schefter, I'm not, I've never been a big fan of him, the jock-sniffing guy that he is. But I will defend him here. As I said on my podcast, things didn't work out for him in Washington. He didn't live up to being the first, the first round pick, number 15 you know, overall. It didn't work out for him. He was a local kid. And I will the disclaimer there that some of the people, because I'm a, obviously, you know, I'm a Commander's whatever fan. So I know that he was a local kid and I can respect the people who watched him and really wanted him to succeed. Obviously, stick it up for the guy. I had no problem with that because you can see that was sincere. But other folks who... When he played in Washington, made fun of him, knew that he, that he didn't have a good run, and were waiting for him to do something stupid, now being a defender. Yeah, we all know that he was a good kid. Sure, a bit immature, that was his problem in D.C. But the amount of outrage and the ability to not 
cover a story. Now, the flip side of that is Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt, an esteemed voice at 90, you know, his career with the Cowboys, and then just being, you know, a super scout, kind of an NFL sage. He's one of those reasons why the league, the patriarch itself, is under attack, because he made some very salty remarks. Now, if what actually happened is true, and we don't know that, there may, we may have to walk this back. But even still, it was one of those, well, he's an old white man. That doesn't fly anymore. I don't care if you're a young, whatever kind of man, that there's a certain amount of decorum that has to be exercised in these dark times when we have a passing, especially of a young athlete with, you know, a whole career in front of him at 24. Now, I'm not saying, you know, if, you know, there was high expectations that they weren't lived up to, that you're supposed to all of a sudden forget that, because that is part of the narrative. And this whole idea, especially folks who had no problems trashing somebody when that happens, and all of a sudden their angel wings and, you know, you're right, a candidate for the Walter Payton Man of the Year in Heaven. It not buying all that kind of stuff. Stop it, people. Okay. The commissioners and the moral authority causes. What do we think about this? Talked about it earlier. Bauer. And with Watson. Now, I saw, you know, with, you know, with Ben Roethlisberger years ago, and how, you know, he didn't go to jail. He, he missed time. Now, in the cases of Bauer and Watson were, they were in administrative leave all of last year. And, what, and now you're telling me that, well, okay, you've been on leave. Now we're going to get to the suspension part of it. And if you're not charged by law... And I don't know, I guess, are we basing this on what could happen in a civil trial? And we don't know when these civil trials would, civil, civil trials would even be. But we're just thinking quicker than we can talk. <laughs> That's why we're bumbling half the time today. So I apologize. We will be better. Promise on that. But yeah, you know, I don't understand, you know, where these commissioners how far they can go with this. And I think these players have been pretty patient, but you have to wonder if you're a Bauer or if you Deshaun Watson and you go into this season and you haven't been charged with anything and you still can't play, you know, when do the lawyers get involved? Be keeping an eye on that for sure. Um, okay, I talked about this earlier. The pay gap in women's sports and some uncomfortable troops, especially with the WNBA. And I saw a friend of mine, somebody I respect, great musician, great instructor. And he was hopping on the bandwagon as far as like the whole Britney Grin era and how because the WNBA can't, you know, doesn't, they don't, the pay gap is such that they have to go play in Russia. And that just made me irritated, you know, right? As you know, on this show, I'm an advocate for women's sports. However, I am not some blind homer. I am a realist in terms of the financial realities. I have always been that way. And this is just nonsense to me because as I talked to you a few weeks ago about the, the ladies El Clasico drawing 91,000, 
it can be done. And I know that the emphasis hasn't been there, but that's something you're going to have to go. Instead of pissing your customers off and trying to be woke, why don't you be an ambassador to your product and stop saying, well, you know, they're making so much money. The NBA's been around since 1946. You know, yeah, it's sure there was a historical injustice that there wasn't a WNBA then, but nobody cared then. And unfortunately, that is the case. Not saying it's right. That's the reality. That's why I am a realist when it comes to these things. And to sit here and talk about Brittany Grenier's situation, this is because they have not done enough to build their product. The NBA is subsidizing it. Everybody that follows this knows this. And yet you have folks trying to push this sour argument like, well, how come Sue Bird makes peanuts compared to LeBron? Sue Bird makes peanuts compared to LeBron because LeBron is box office and the, WB, the WNBA isn't. Not sexist or, or misogynist for pointing out that a horrible truth. That's just it. And it's really up to these folks. It's like, yeah, you did a wonderful job getting Kelly Loeffler run from the ownership of the dream and her, her Senate seat. But that ain't putting fans on the stands. That isn't getting you closer to salary parity. It's not going to happen because, well, they're, they get that much we should. No, you have to make your product viable. As, I, as they say, Stay woke, stay broke. It's your choice. That's not everything. That's not everything at play, but at some point you have to be thinking about doing whatever you can do to build your business up, so you can get your value to go up. Not rocket science, right? I know. I'm just having trouble today. Okay, let's, let's, what about the last one? Let's talk about. You know, I brought up the whole thing. With the, with the guy from Arsenal and how, you know, Mr. Zaka, how he was going to quit. It's that the angry mob mentality. What the F is up with this in sports? I get, you know, there's always going to be better bragging rights and talking trash, but it's taken on such an angry tone. For example, you all know I'm a big PSG fan, and the amount of people that follow PSG Twitter accounts just to say negative things when somebody that likes PSG comments on. I'm just like going, do you go play, you know, with your PS5? Go take your girlfriend to a movie if you have one. But he, how are you so angered and wire, wired up that you have time to follow what a club that's not even in your country you're not in the same league, but you meet in Champions League, and you spend all day trying to get a rise out of fans. I mean, you know, in some of the scenes that we've seen this year, you know, as far as people going to go full combat, like we're in, you know, Guadalcanal, you know, and you're not the ones determining the game. As I said earlier, I was really glad that LAFC and... Galaxy fans, you know, behave themselves. And it wasn't, you know, they have a lot of episodes of, of embarrassing violence that are blasted on social media all week. You didn't see that, and that was a good thing. But, yeah, I just am really getting, you know, uh, more and more concerned 
in terms of, you know, the, the toxic side of all of this. You know, it's all fun to a point, you know, as far as, you know, getting under your friend's skin. But it's just turned into like this angry mob that really doesn't have a place. And I know that the more money people spend for these adventures, the more expectations they're going to have. And you're going to be a little bit more wound up, but still does not give you an excuse to have this mob mentality, whether you're online or you're at the game. Just me. Call me crazy. Okay, folks, we'll be back with some NFL report and get you out of here. Alrighty, we're back with Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole, the final segment for episode 101, hashtag 04-05. Moving right along here. Uh, Pelicans have a 15-point lead, 8-15 second quarter. Eh, Clippers are in a little trouble, but a lot of time left. We'll just say an eternity's worth of time as far as that's concerned. Um, okay, let's do a little NFL report. Finally, kind of a quiet week, although with the draft coming up here, we know that won't last. We get time to take our breath here as a short, you know, moment where the NFL isn't king, and then we aren't making big headlines, but there were some notable things that went on. So before we, let's talk about, you know, the draft in general. As the madness starts to intensify, are we really good with how high Malik Willis's stock has risen? Is he the answer for Carolina? We talked about the whole Sam Darnold thing last week, I believe it was. Yeah, he's going to go to Carolina and be the first quarterback of the board. Or does small hands picket land? As far as teams looking for you know, somebody who's good serviceable. It could be a quality QB in this league. Does Jimmy G stay, or does he finally move on draft day? Well, I think you're going to have to. I think, as, I, as I've said uh, in the past, when it comes to Garoppolo, I think you start the season with him, and depending on how it goes, I guarantee you, Someone will be able will make a trade with him at any point right now. You know, there's a team like Seattle. Seattle's trying to play all coy. And I'm sorry, Michael Vick, you worked out with Kaepernick and you looked good. Pete Carroll's not going with Kaepernick. If he does, okay, I'll admit that I was wrong and maybe do something stupid to honor that. But I don't see that happening. You know, which brings me to Baker. You know, I didn't mean, ask further down the, the, the outline, but might as well jump to that right now. You know, how about Baker saying that the Browns lied and disrespected him by acquiring Watson? Well, you know what? This is one of those, say what? Baker, 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 Baker. 
Yes, you are. I can see how you and your ego, and let's face it, you were number one overall, and there is a certain amount of cliche that goes with it. That's when you deliver. We're not going to say you were a complete bust. I mean, obviously, no one's going to ever compare you to, let's say, Jamarcus Russell or something like that. And you should have gotten more mileage out of being, you know, John Wayne and playing Hurt like you did last year. But somehow, it's gotten all sour and rotten. You know, I don't know what to say there. In terms of, even though as stinky as the diaper is with Watson, the upside that people clearly are willing to look past. That's a whole other conversation, which we've also had many times. But for now, I don't feel you can say you're disrespected. Yeah, I, I, in terms of the Browns 2.0, this has been one of the better runs. But with Cincinnati going to the Super Bowl pretty quickly, whatever clout you thought you built up and all this status went out the window. We're looking around the room just like saying, hell, they had a couple of ingredients and a couple of noodles bowl and boom, they were box office. We're going backwards. If we can get this guy who is supposed to be an elite level talent, we're going to go get him. I don't know what they do there. Which is said, you know, there's, as he thinks he's going to go to Seattle, but it takes two to tango as far as that's concerned. And I don't know, like, I don't think Pete's going to go with Colin Kaepernick. I don't think he wants Baker Mayfield either. In terms of somebody, I think there's a be there's going to be better plays out there. And, you know, one of these kids, and maybe Drew Locke isn't that bad. Maybe they are okay with, you know, developing some players this year while they figure out what the blueprint is for the future. Although with Pete getting long in the tooth, I have a hard time believing that's what he wants to do. And I'm sure that's not what, you know, the pooks in the front office want, you know, after letting Russ go. All really curious, but we, I'm definitely going to be curious to see how this Baker thing ends up. Is he the next Manziel, or does he have a second act? I'm leaning towards that. He's got to say, he, unlike Manziel, who is like, give me a beer, the bitches, this guy's like, oh, no, you don't do me like this. And so, yeah, I think he does have a second act, and he might be dangerous if, the, if he gets into the right situation. Uh, okay, what else do I have over here? So you've got um, Congress still trying to come after the commanders. <sighs> this thing really bothers me, as I was talking about earlier with Sarver. You know, it was a bad behavior narrative which appears, you know, people are trying to push, and now this whole thing about the commanders trying to withhold revenue, they're just, like, grasping at straws. And what I don't like about this is I know people on the Hill who've grown up with ties to the Redskins and now commanders, football team in between, who really have an interest Snyder in terms of how it ruined their team. We've talked about this ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go there. But what I am going to say is I, that... There's something that doesn't feel right about this, like that you have a bunch of spoiled fan base, of spoiled fan base that thinks it shouldn't have to like have a losing team. 
you know, do I see the media and Congress going after the Lions, who haven't won since 57, or, you know, the Browns? One more 2.0, 64. The Raiders, 84. The Bears, 85. Minnesota, Atlanta, never. The Dolphins, 74. And so this idea that, you know, when you look at guys that they're in the D.C. media, you know, right, right the, the Kevin Sheehan's, um, the Grant Paulson, Right, I mean, where they spend every waking hour like, is this gonna, is this gonna get him? Is this gonna get him? Instead of focusing on the team, I mean, I told you, I think it was last week or the week before, how I got into it with, with, uh, I think it was, was it Grant Paulson? No, it wasn't Grant Paulson. It was the other, it, it was uh, the other jackass. Point being is that you got mad at me because I came after the media and I said that the media's negativity there makes me want to root for the commanders even harder. And I look at Congress and how flimsy it is. It's like, well, because I always thought, and, and if something comes up that proves me wrong, okay, so be it. But I've always wondered about, you know, the bad behavior and the sexual misconduct, that there just seemed to be something fishy about that and now that they're trying to go, you know, get, get you know, go the uh, untouchables route, and it's like, okay, you're really going after this guy's team pretty hard. What's up with that? I don't want to talk about it too long, but we'll be keeping an eye on that because there's something not right going on here. And as I've said a million times, I ain't no fan of Snyder. Never will be. Um. Okay, let's get back into reality. Unfortunately, got an RIP again. New York Giants running back, former Cowboys assistant coach, Houston Oiler, Gary Brown, who had 1,000 yards with the Giants back in 97, passes away at 52. Always. Our condolences, thoughts, and prayers go out to family and friends, fans, you know, that stuff. Always. Okay. Now, since I was bouncing all over the place, let's see if I can, like, lock back in. Um... Okay, Mr. Carr, finally, the deal is cut. It's going to be three years, $121 million to stay in Las Vegas and be the face of the Raiders, basically. Is this dude worth $40 million a year? Probably not. But is Dak worth $40 million a year based on what you've seen? Probably not. Is $40 million the going rate for better than average? Definitely so. What's that say about how crazy this league is in sports business in general? A lot. $40 million for some a year, for the next three years, for somebody that hasn't got a lot of playoff success. Yeah, it makes my head hurt as much as anyone's. Told you about Kirk Cousins, and this is even deeper. Kirk Cousins is like, going, well, what I got to do to make sure I get some of that kind of money? I don't know if 30 million is going to be enough for me, you know. So, but yeah, even if you're average, 40 meg, and if, well, well, 30 meg, if you know, if you're okay and you're capable of going to the playoffs at least maybe twice every, twice maybe a six year window, hell, that's 40 million. If you have the potential to be a light, you might be able to make 55 or 60. Woo wee. Okay. Um, 
What do you think about Broncos offensive lineman Garrett Bowles comparing Russell Wilson to Jordan, Kobe, and even LeBron? Man, I saw that. That was a WTF. You're right. And it like kind of spun like that, like that, that hundred that I had on my Facebook page for the first Fox trying to get a foxhole, hundredth anniversary, hundred episode, whatever, or commemorating that. Well, that's kind of what I felt with a WTF. And I'm like, he's got a ring, but he gave a second away, a second ring away. Yeah, I know everybody wants to play Pete Carroll, but I'm like, no, I've always said, F that. Russ, you have the ball in your hand. You could have like take calls your own number. Right? Where was the instinct instead of being brain dead and going by the book? You're gonna compare that guy with Kobe the assassin? MJ, the right, the executioner, and LeBron, you know, Mr. Dependable, always there up until the real end of his career. Come on, people, be better than that. You know, especially Garrett Bowles. I get you want to pump your quarterback up, but come on, man. I must laugh my ass off I heard that. Packers signing Sammy Watkins to help Mr. Rogers out. Deal or no deal? I think it's kind of a big deal. Sammy Watkins, another one of those kind of guys, could be poised for a next act late career, especially if he's even a quarter of what he once was. And, and can hold on to the rock. With that guy getting it there, yeah, it's not going to, you know, soothe the blow of losing Mr. Adams, but it definitely helps. It might actually be a better setting than it looks even right now. We'll see. Colts adding defensive back to Stephen Gilmore, two years, $24 million. Yeah, I suppose that's all right, $12 million. For a quarter, he's saying, yeah, you know, I think I probably want more. Gotta love Travis Etienne getting a dig in on Urban Meyer. Basically saying, yeah, you know, this was the year to be injured on IR because I didn't have to watch that as show. <clears throat> and somehow Urban's going to get a job back in the studio in spite of all the crap. Boy, going to give the SJWs all kinds of ammo as far as privilege is concerned. Dang. I think it's funny that the sale of Tom Brady's final ball in the Rams game, it had sold at auction for half a million dollars, like at 518000 to be exact. It has been voided now by mutual consent as well. He kind of reneged on his retirement. He's not retiring, meaning the ball probably is not worth that much now. Yeah. Okay. And what about this take? I don't even know what to think. I just caught this really at the end of my day. Money is in Floyd Merriweather saying he will pay a team to take AB on. Say what? Basically, if it doesn't work out, I'll pay the team. I just want to make sure my boy gets another chance. Yeah, I got dead air for a second. The insanity of the homeboys protecting their homeboys even when they're being asshats. You know, I, sorry, I can't even articulate what my mind is thinking right now other than exploding as far as, you know, I hope nobody takes him seriously unless, hey, you know what, you want to give us an extra 20 bill of the mill to put in our coffers so we can do something silly with, yeah, we'll put this cloud on, have him around for about five minutes and cut his ass. Yeah, yeah, I don't even know what to tell you there. 
Okay, folks, that just made my head hurt so much. Let's get into TMCA time and let's close this out. You know, that time of the week where we hand out the stainless steel varieties that come in complimentary, regular, and XL sizes for those deeds during the week of sports that earn it or just you being you. We'll start out with Gilbert. Yeah, you knew that one was coming. You get an XL. Hey, you know, whatever ends up being the truth as far as what happened down in that tragic moment last Saturday with Dwayne Haskins, you had no business saying what you did. Shame on you. All the walking back was not going to take away the sting of that. Yeah, you know, you're old enough to pasture, but you may not get called on for, for your expertise anymore because of that. That's a shame, but man, come on. People, we got to be better than that. Cam Newton, your latest take on women. If the phone doesn't ring for you, don't be surprised either. You know, even if you think that, keep your mouth shut, but you being you, you can't help yourself. So you get a regular size bull for that, man. CR7, you get an XL. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Red Devils are a shit show right now. But don't be slapping the phone out of some autistic kid's hand, even if he wasn't autistic. Have a little more class, take defeat, and a little more grace. I know it's not easy, especially as we talked about in the previous segment about the mob the mob and toxicity factor with fans, but you still have to have a little more grace. Come on, dude. Ty Gibbs, come on, man. Try to be all Joe Tough Guy. I'm going to always hand out. The, I'll give you a complimentary, but the NASCAR Tough Guys, <sighs> it's fun to watch. Okay, we're going to have an XL for the guy that runs eGuard watches for using Leah Thomas and its What's a Woman ad campaign. Good grief. I mean, we try to like, you know, tread very lightly when we bring that up. This is got an ad campaign for his jury. Like, well, what really is a woman? Wow. Wow. As my friend Dave the Tape Machine said long ago. Wow. Jeez. Okay. I don't even know what to say about that. I'm going to give a regular size one out to Fanatics for not removing the discounted Dwayne Haskins jerseys on the Commander's team site. At least take it down for a week or so, man. Come on, man. You know, have a little respect, especially because they're so discounted because you're trying to move them. How you can be better than that? Um, I'm going to give a regular size to Thomas Tuchel for crying like a bitch about the referees, smiling. Come on, man. You've been in your way for long enough for those shenanigans to happen. Come on, man. You don't need to cry like a little baby. <sighs> okay. I'm going to give a regular size for the wokester that tried gluing herself to the floor of the Target Center to disrupt the playing game the other night between the Clippers and Minnesota because a protest over Glenn Taylor owning an egg farm and killing chickens because of the avarian flu that's spreading across the country. I kind of get it, but at the same time, gluing yourself to the floor. What? Uh. Alrighty, folks, we have reached the finish line for the 101st time. 
Thank you all for putting up with me. It's been a struggle, as you can tell. I've been all over the place. Still fun. I think this is still a epi good episode worth always listening to. Tell your friends, please, to tune in, you know. Always like to see the our, our listenership grow. Um, we will be putting out content of, of various kinds as the year progresses. In the meanwhile, you can always guarantee we'll always have this every six or seven days. There's always be safe out there. We don't really know what that, you know, BA2 is all about in terms of how it can might sneak up on your community and create havoc. No PG3 right now, and as a result, the Pelicans are up by 12 as I sign off. Okay, folks, have some adult beverages. Be sane, and as I say, I'll talk to you in about six or seven days.